You're listening to the Soul Strategies podcast hosted by the team here at Soul Strategies. We hope you like the latest episode and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Strategies podcast. I'm your host, James Ray at James Gets Political on TikTok. And today we're going to be talking about polling with Ryan Vasquez. He's the director of Soul Strategies New Jersey field office, and he's been working in politics for about six years now with uh, experience going much further back than that. So, Ryan, let's get started. What is polling and why does it matter? All right. So polling um, to me is the most important thing that you can do foundationally before you do a field program, before you start talking to voters. Oftentimes when we start a campaign, uh, one of the first things that we procure, right, is our list. Who are we talking to? What does the constituency look like? Um, But oftentimes those lists don't really guide us through. Um, the, The analogy that I like to use is that the data that you get for your campaign can either be the maze that you get lost in or it could be the compass that really like guides you home and, and follows you through till election day. And the way that we fashion, um, you know, one of the many ways that we fashion those lists into being that compass, that map, that guide is by doing intense polling that really asks issue-based questions and gets a read and a temperature gauge on what the constituency that you're talking to is. Okay, awesome. So essentially polling is just a really good way of engaging with voters and, and helping candidates understand what the primary issues they're going to be running for are going to be or maybe gauge support for policy decisions and things of that nature. Yeah, for sure. You yeah, know, it's really foundational to your campaign. I mean, it, it's you get lists of names, numbers, addresses, emails, and then you don't know what to do with them. And polling really tells you what to do with them, because if you do a successful, you know, polling operation, you come through knowing, you know, who cares about what where, what matters to them. And then that's the platform that you start campaigning on rather than just going in it blind, getting door slammed in your face, getting hung up on, you know, you really don't know what the areas are where like how the people shake out within the constituency until you do that kind of outreach. Oh no. See, and that's, that's really critical. I, I always, uh, I, I know that when you're getting the initial data, at least a lot of the times it's kind of like drinking fire from a water hose or drinking like water from a fire hose uh, more accurately. Sorry. Uh, but, you know, you get so much data that you just really don't know what to do with it. And you end up kind of running people through neighborhoods where they might not have any idea of what people are going to be looking for, the composition of households, et cetera. And that can be like a huge problem. I know um, as far back as when I started doing uh, any kind of volunteer work for major campaigns or any like even local campaigns in Indiana, one of the biggest setbacks we had consistently was that we were just door knocking in neighborhoods that wanted nothing to do with our candidate and just kind of wasting a lot of time and what could have probably been like more more ably used in areas where we knew based on data like what the backgrounds of the families were uh what issues they were interested in like what they voted for historically etc and that's like really really critical so as far as polling as a component of a larger strategy i I, from my understanding a lot of polling is really an idea of data collection to help calculate what's called a win number. Um, as far as a win number is concerned, can you kind of go into detail on what that is? For sure. Yeah, no. So go back to like that big chunky list that we all get on day one of the campaign, right? Those are lists of registered voters. And we know that unfortunately not every person who is registered to vote votes at all. I mean, oftentimes people turn 18, their parents take them down to city hall, they register to vote, and they never spend a minute of their life in a voter booth, right? And those people are on our voter rolls. So um, it's really important to get in um, and establish what your win number is, right? So a win number basically is how many people need to turn out to vote in order for you to win. So 
generally speaking, um, let's say your opposition um, is an incumbent and they're, you're used to them getting roughly like six to 7,000 people out to vote for them in a local race. You know, that sounds small, but in a lot of local races, like that is what it takes to win is like six, 7,000 votes. You're going to want to talk to at least 18 to 25,000 registered voters just from the attrition of like losing people over time, right? You make contact, you send mail, you make contact at the door, you, you know, ring phones and people say, yeah, sure. Like I'm excited to get at, you know, getting out to vote. You need to drag a much larger net than just trusting that. Yeah. Somebody told me that they're going to get out to vote. So they're going to get out to vote. And then specifically, not everybody who gets out to vote gets out to vote for you. So establishing the win number is really like your goal. You say we need to contact and what we call in the business GOTV, get out the vote. We need to GOTV you know, three to four times the amount of what our opposition usually gets in support um, in order to obviously surpass them and beat them. Um, and having a win number is the first sign of a serious campaign. It's the first sign that field is targeted and not random. A lot of people do this like random, um, I'm going to knock every door and throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, right? Win numbers really allow you to parse out different, you know, sections of the turf, different sections of the geography, start looking at things from, from the lens of building towards that number. Um, and if you hit that number and you chose right, generally you have a pretty easy election day. You know, you're at that point, people are getting out to vote. Um, and you're confident that you've contacted enough voters in order to push the right number to the polls for you. No, I mean, and that makes sense. It, it's astounding that, that numerical difference between people who are, who say they're going to get out and vote versus the people who actually end up showing up in polls. Like, do you have an exact kind of calculation for what you look at for um, what you might want to like divide? If you're devising or calculating a winning number, is there kind of a calculation that goes in, in your mind behind what, how to reach that number based on what, how many voters you need? For sure. So there are a lot of factors that go into it. Um, and the one variable factor that I will say, just to start off with that, starting off with what we don't know, right, are the very specifics of the terrain and the area, the locality that you're, that you're you know, working in. You have places where voter turnout is much higher. Um, also, the issues of the race um, and the circumstances of the race change from year to year, right? And then those circumstances are kind of where we come in and we apply historical data. So, for example, um, right now I'm in Seoul's new New Jersey field office, right? And we're crunching numbers for different candidates who are coming in, asking us what we can do for them um, from a field perspective, uh, one thing that we're looking at is that this year is a gubernatorial race in New Jersey. So when I'm going back and looking at historical data, um, I'm not going to want to go back and look at the last four years chronologically. I'm going to want to look at the last four gubernatorial elections because turnout is different this year. Um, it's going to be much lower, for example, in the state of New Jersey than it was last year when there was a president on the top of the ticket. Um, you have years where the top of the ticket is just state legislature, and those are considered like very low turnout years. Um, that all affects your win number um, because, you know, let's say that you're running for mayor of, you know, mayor of Mayberry, you know, random town somewhere in the world, right? Um, the people are more generally more concerned and more excited to go out to vote for the state senator or for the congressman that is at the top of the ticket, right? And that is obviously going to, in turn, affect the turnout number on election day. So you got to go back and look at that. You've got to go back and consider the actual popularity of your opponent. Sometimes our opponents are like newcomers and it's very hard to tell um, who's going to turn out for them. 
Other times, um, opponents are perennial candidates or incumbents. And I love running against incumbents because we, we can see exactly what they did to win last time and then beat that. And you should be factoring that into your win number. No, I mean, that's amazing. I, I love how technical it really, really gets into when you start digging into data and trying to analyze how you're going to be able to predict a lot of these numbers. Um, have you found any kind of like difficulties in, in calculating win numbers? Anything that has surprised you historically when you're doing this? In recent times, yeah, for sure, because I feel like the pandemic changed everything for us in politics, not just like field approaches and like the actual execution of campaigning, but it also changed the circumstances in which we factor races and actually intellectualize what's going on before election day. Hey, you're listening to the Soul Strategies podcast. Take a moment to listen to some of our esteemed champions and their takeaways from the program. And I'm glad that I was a part of that, that I had the opportunity to even be involved with that, with some legitimate organizations that help people who want to do right by other people, you know, by communities. You know, utilize my my resources, utilize my networks. Um, This has, the last month, I've had some tremendous things happen. It's your time to become a leader. Go to soulstrategies.com to find out more. So one thing that had a major effect is vote by mail. Um, turnout was completely, completely boosted in Jersey over vote by mail. We had an all mail election last time um, and way more people got out to vote. But this time, you know, this time around a year later, people are rejecting vote by mail. They want to get back out to the polls. So if we are basing tur- you know, turnout and win numbers off of last year, our budgets are going to be massive they're going to be you know huge because we're going to expect triple the amount of people to get out to vote but now this year is not like last year this year this election is going to be like two years ago so i'm very you know this is one of the things that i love about what we do um is that we hypothesize and then we actually test those theories out and a lot of times we don't know what's going to happen until election day so right now like i'm biting my nails waiting to see if there was actually an increase in turnout that is going to last and stick from people voting by mail, if it's going to be business as usual, and we're going to have a lower voter turnout here. Um, so that is one thing that like we're butting heads with, because we're talking to candidates who are saying, well, hey, like last year in the primary election, triple the amount of people that usually came out to vote, came out to vote. Should we expect that this year? And listen, we didn't expect a pandemic to change the circumstances of the last race, right? So we're kind of like, existing in the fallout of that right now but even still it's possible to like overcome those humps um when you look at the historical data when you factor who exactly is running where what endorsements look like what organizations are behind and of course like what kind of money all sides are spending because money obviously influences turnout in terms of like outreach and how in your face the campaigns are getting um it is it's possible to track, but just to answer the question, that is definitely one thing that is setting us back this year is like the first election post pandemic, the dust is settling. Nobody really knows exactly where we're falling, um, but we're kind of getting a grip on the situation. Oh, absolutely. And I, I imagine it's a, it's a completely, it's like a, an even more, uh, even more levels of stress knowing you're not only doing all of this calculus uh, that you would ordinarily be doing even in a non pandemic time, but now as we come out of a major societal shift in both like voting patterns and behavioral patterns and stuff, I assume that makes your job uh, to just say the very least a little bit more difficult. 
Yeah, no, for sure. It's like you no know, data. Oftentimes, it's like herding a bunch of cats, right? Like they're all over the room. You get five in one corner, and then you have four running around, right? It, it, different factors come at you. Um, oftentimes, candidates also come and they're like, "Hey, I forgot to mention." the opposition is endorsed by so-and-so and that just completely changes the circumstances of whether or not we're going to pull people out. You know, you look at also demographics in the area. Uh, it all factors into your win number, um, which is why it is a science, but it is an incomplete science. Um, and oftentimes someone like me really has to like get involved with somebody from the locality, get involved with the candidates and really get that good context in order to establish the most insightful and the most, you know, intellectually based win number based on like where you're running. Because we know that different races happen in different places and they all shake out differently. Um, so really what we try to do is establish what you need to win, which usually is more than one answer. Oh, fair. Fair. So looking at soul strategy specifically, then kind of coming around at a different angle, how do they facilitate polling or how do they assist in the process? See, this excites me because I love what we do here. Um, we really bust the norm. Most quote unquote consulting firms will go to, you know, a Washington, D.C. pollster. You know, the polls that people have been saying don't work since Hillary. Well, they're still in business. And they're still making a lot of money and people um, are going to them. And really what happens is that when you go to the, you know, when you take the classic route, the poll is cold. It's usually done by like robocalls. So, you know, people get a phone call that says dial one for this dial two for that. It's a robotic voice speaking to them. And the answers are usually really dumbed down. Like the, the choices that people get in this are really dumbed down in order to fit that phone format. What we do is we take a human approach to polling, which sets your it sets your field program up in multiple ways. All of our polls are facilitated by live phone bankers. So there's a human voice on the other end of it. Um, we do basically three types of polling questions. The first type are your basic head-to-head -head polls, which is an industry standard. Um, people want to know, you know, how is John Smith doing versus Sally May, right? So the question would be something like, if the election is held today, would you vote for Smith or for Sally, right? Mm -hmm. Then the other kind of um, question that we do are issue testing questions, which I think come off way better um, when a actual person is saying, hey, last year, you know, something happened, some issue happened, some scandal happened, taxes went up, the water bills are going up, something to that extent. How do you feel about this? Who do you blame for that? And that data is really important because it guides not just popularity, but it guides what works where. Um, and then the third kind is something that you do not get from the Washington DC pollsters, and that is open-ended questions. The open-ended questions can be very, very creative. Canvassers actually then engage in conversations. They test not just the answers, but they test the emotions of voters as well when they ask questions like for example one of my favorite questions open-ended in a poll is if you could tell the mayor or the senator or the congressman one thing what would it be right you don't get that in a washington dc poll because people can't dial one to answer that question um but with us people actually appreciate being asked questions that get down to the nitty gritty of their life. And, and they like the open platform of being able to just talk, right? Campers then record that question. And that to me is like, that is the lighthouse that will take you home every single time, right? Is that kind of emotionally based response, 
um, where people talk about their lives. You know, the people, I like to say this all the time, the people in the constituencies that, that we work for, the, the doors that we knock, those are the people that do the living, the dying, the shopping, the losing money, the getting sick, the getting better in those areas, right? And what is one thing that we hear all the time? You guys only knock on my door once every four years. When you poll, you don't poll as a candidate. You poll as just people asking questions. Um, we poll as sole strategies. Do you get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when, when, we're, when we take that approach with people, they really appreciate being asked those questions. And then that insight to me is absolutely invaluable um, in guiding your campaign. No, amazing. And if people were to get uh, want to get more information about this, it, to my understanding, we're having a webinar very, very soon. Do you want to go into some of the details on that? Yeah, for sure. So we're going to, in this webinar, we're going to break down um, how to calculate win numbers um, and obviously offer help for people who, um, you know, are kind of lost at this. A lot of times candidates run with all the right intentions, but none of the right resources, none of the right guides on what to do, right? So we really hope to be a guide for people on establishing the, the win number, um, getting to look at their constituencies in that perspective and like through a different lens of like, what is it going to take? What am I going to have to apply to this area in order to get the right number of people out? Then we're going to go into polling and do some examples of polling. Um, and then very, I'm very excited to actually do a live demonstration of our New Jersey field office where we're currently polling for multiple campaigns. So people will actually get the opportunity to meet and interact with one of our pollsters, one of our canvassers who comes in and works, and they'll get to see what it looks like um, actually in action. No, that's amazing. Okay, well, uh, (laughs) that being said, I hope to be able to be on that webinar uh, and listening a little bit in on that. Uh, That seems to be all the questions I have for today. So once again, thank you, Ryan Vasquez. Again, he's the director of Soul Strategy's new New Jersey field office. Congratulations for that, by the way. Thank you. Uh, and has been working in politics for a while and hopefully will be working in politics for a few more years at the very least. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I hope so. It was really great talking to you. I hope that I see everybody out there for the, um, for the seminar. I'm really excited to share the insight with you guys. I think that, listen, this is what it takes to win. We have the recipe. We're just trying to teach you guys. So come join us. Um, it'll be a really fun night. No, absolutely. All right. Well, have a good one. Thanks, man.